Hello everyone, it's Sylvia here. Obviously, Lindsay and Joseph were not present for a Halloween special this year, but I didn't want to leave you with nothing. So what follows is an encore presentation of a Circle City Supernatural broadcast. I could think of no more fitting an episode than the one from Halloween night all those years ago, the one that sowed the seeds of this podcast. I've included booth recordings that did not go out on the air to give you that behind-the-scenes content you're all used to by now. I hope you enjoy this special. I'm sorry it can't be more. My gratitude to everyone who still supports us and who still believes, as I do, that my friends will return. But until they do, let's have a look back at the event that was to bring them together. Thank you. It's All Hallows' Eve, which means all open lines, all night long. We're keeping up this tradition in honor of the man who started it, my predecessor, Mr. Ray Kadera. Hold for applause. <laughs> I know you guys loved that man, and a lot of you weren't ready for him to retire. But if anyone earned some rest and relaxation, well, it was definitely Ray. He started this show before I was even born. Listen, I know I've said this several times since taking over for Ray, but I really was deeply humbled to have the torch passed to me. I've tried to carry it well, for him and for you guys. Speaking of you guys, let's get back to the phones. Uh, now, I was thinking about this during the break. This is Circle City. It's Halloween. Okay, you with me? So no more little calls. And by little calls, I mean no more piddly sightings of something you may or may not have actually seen. Oh, Lindsay, it was like a shadow moving in the corner of my eye. But then when I looked, there was nothing. Lame. And no more stories we've already heard a hundred times before on this show. I want something unique as well as terrifying. People are tuning in tonight because they want to be scared. I want to be scared. That's the challenge. I'm throwing down the gauntlet here. So come on, Circle City. Do your worst. All right, next caller. Welcome, Wayward Wanderer, to Circle City Supernatural. Hello, am I on? If I can hear you, sir, then so can the rest of our fair town. Oh, okay, thanks. I, uh, I called tonight because uh, something pretty strange happened when I was farming a couple of weeks back. Okay, hang on now there. Uh, what's your name? Phil. Farmer Phil. Beautiful. Now, before you go on, Phil, remember I said I wanted unique stories. So if you're about to tell us about how you found one of your goats drained of all of its blood out in the barn, hmm, then maybe you should hang up now. That's not what happened. Nor are you about to tell us about how you woke up one morning and found your fields covered in weird geometric patterns, right? No, it was nothing like that at all. So, no chupacabras, no crop circles. Perfect. Okay, the floor is yours. The chair recognizes Farmer Phil. And go. For starters, I'm in aquaculture. I work the fishery at Lake Everly. We raise catfish, mostly. Oh, okay. So you're a fish farmer. Got it. Interesting. We had a break in one of our cages that needed fixed. A couple of guys went out earlier that day, but couldn't get the job done. So the boss called me. It was supposed to be my day off, but well, you know how it goes. Anyway, by the time I got there, the sun was going down. I headed out in a skiff to see if I could get the cage mended. If I didn't, then we risked losing the whole harvest. So, you're out on the water, all alone, at night. What happened? And if you say that a long-necked lake monster reared up out of the darkened depths, then I'm hanging up right now, Phil. No, it wasn't that. That would be impossible. But then, so is what I actually saw. 
So... Build that suspense, Phil. You build it to the sky. I saw a light down in the water. Not just the light. It was a fire. Don't ask me how it was burning underwater. I couldn't tell you. The water wasn't doing anything to put it out. This fire was... I don't know, immune to it, I guess. I was in shock, obviously, so I just watched it. Just stared at the thing for the longest time. Then the fire started to move. It seemed to notice me. I'm sorry, did you say notice you? Like it saw you? Like it was- Alive, yeah. It came right up to the boat. I leapt back, trying to hide from the thing, but- Go on. It rose up out of the water. This ball of flaming whatever it was, it just hovered there, reflecting in the dark water of the lake, was looking at me. Well, not looking, since it had no eyes, but I could tell it was sensing, you know? It was more than alive. It was aware, like sentient. It knew I was there every bit as much as I knew that it was there. But then it wasn't. There, I mean. It didn't go back into the water. It flew off into the sky. The sound of its flames whipping behind it in the wind was all I heard. It vanished over some trees, and that was it. Gone forever. Hopefully. Well done, Phil. That was legit scary. Honestly, I've got the goose flesh and everything, and that's not something we've heard before on this show. At least not in my time. So thank you for your call. All right, everyone. Farmer Phil has set the bar. Next caller, you better bring your A-game. It had a lizard's tongue. Well, maybe more like a snake's tongue, since it was split, you know, forked. Do lizards have forked tongues? Uh, depends on the species of lizard, probably. I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. But it was a bird. That's why it was so weird. A crow. A big, ugly crow. He was sitting on my mailbox just flicking that tongue. This crow had a forked tongue? That's what I said, isn't it? Are you sure it didn't just have something in its beak? Maybe it was eating a bug that just made it look like the crow had a weird tongue? No, that's not it. This thing had a lizard's tongue. Or a snake's tongue. Whatever it was, he just kept flicking it at me. The little devil. That's pretty creepy. Sorry, what was your name, ma'am? Didn't I say? It's Martha. What happened next, Martha? Nothing. It just flew off. Well, it took a dump on my mailbox first, if that means anything. Uh, maybe? Hello? Okay, I think she's gone. Thank you for that call, Martha. Short and sweet. If anyone else out there has seen any weird birds, do give us a ring. All right, moving along. Hello, caller. What have you got for us? Whoa, hang on there, buddy. I don't speak more than a handful of Spanish, but my producer is fluent. Sylvia, could you come into the booth? I need you to translate. Oh, you'll be great. Come on. Here she comes. Let's everyone extend a warm Circle City Supernatural welcome to my producer and friend, Sylvia Flores. That mic should be on. Yeah. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. If you can't tell, Sylvia is more than a little out of her comfort zone. <laughs> but she's not going to let that stop her, are you, Sylvia? It's more like you won't let that stop me, Lindsay. <laughs> True enough. Okay, caller. Go ahead with your story and we'll have Sylvia here translate for us. Oh, Sylvia, get his name, too. Hola. Voy a traducir para la audiencia. ¿Cuál es su nombre? Mi nombre es Tomás. Thomas is his name. Um, okay, Tomás, ¿qué nos quiere decir? Estaba manejando durante la tormenta que tuvimos la semana pasada, cuando mi coche se descompuso. Uh, he says he was driving through the really bad storm we had last week when his car broke down. Yikes, bad timing for car trouble. Pude sacar el coche de la calle y salí a checar el motor. Con toda esa lluvia terminé muy mojado. He pulled over. Uh, then he got out to check the engine. The rain was coming down pretty hard. Mientras veía el motor, hubo un rayo muy cerca de donde yo estaba. Uh, 
some lightning came down near to where he was standing. Miré hacia el cielo. Dentro de la tormenta alcancé a ver algo, algo muy gigante dentro de las nubes. Yo algo en la tormenta, algo grande. Sí. Sylvia, what's he saying? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. You don't know what he's saying? I, I do. I'm just not sure what he means. Um, he says he saw something in the storm. ¿Qué vio exactamente? Una serpiente demasiado grande. No podía ver muy bien a través de la tormenta, pero cada vez que alumbraba la luz de los rayos, pude ver un poco de su estómago. Se estaba moviendo dentro de las nubes. Sylvia, what did he see in the storm? Uh, he says it was... Uh, he says it was a giant snake. I'm sorry, what? That's that's what he said. He said it was uh, hard to see because of the falling rain, but whenever the lightning flashed, he, he caught a glimpse of its underbelly uh, as it slithered through the clouds. Uh, okay. Was that it? ¿Algo más pasó? ¿No es suficiente? Me regresé a mi carro y me senté adentro sin hacer ni un ruido hasta que esa cosa se fuera. Uh, he says he hid in his car until the storm and the snake were gone. Wow, that's... I can't imagine what that was like to see. Please thank him for the call. Uh, gracias por llamar. De nada. I'm gonna go now. Well, a very weirded out Sylvia is headed back to the control room. Thank you, Sylvia. Yeesh. That was something else. But I threw out the challenge and you guys are stepping up, so I gotta give it to you. Moving along to the next caller. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, hi, thanks for taking my call. Really glad I got through. Um, Chad, before you can ask. Man, that, that last story was scary, but I'm, I'm pretty sure mine's worse. That's a bold statement there, fella. A giant snake that lives in thunderstorms is gonna be hard to top. Yeah, but at least in the sky you can see it coming. What about something that comes up from under you? I'm listening. I uh, work at a gas station I probably shouldn't name. It's on the west side, near the old racetrack. People listening probably know the one. I work the swing shift, so I come in at 4, get off around midnight. Well, three days ago, around 10 o'clock, I was working by myself, which is typical. When I got my first customer in over an hour, usually people people just need gas. They pay for it at the pump and go. I never talk to anyone unless they have to come in and buy something. But the woman out front started waving at me. She was a pump four, which has a tricky nozzle, so I went up to help her, thinking that was her problem. When I got out there, I could see she was freaking out. Before I could ask, I saw that the, the asphalt around pump four was cracking and the ground was even shaking a little. Was this like an earthquake? Because we don't get a lot of those around here. Yeah, no, this was something else. The woman and me both had the same thought at the same time, that one of the underground fuel tanks had ruptured and was about to blow. I blinked and she was already back in her car, speeding off down the road. She just left you there? Right? So I, I did my best to get as far from the station as possible. I ran probably 200 yards before stopping to punch 911 into my phone. The operator was asking what my emergency was and all that, but I, I couldn't answer. All I could do was stare back at the station. That crack in the asphalt near pump four was spreading like there was something under it, trying to push through but couldn't. So it made its way to the edge of the station where the asphalt stopped and there was, there was just ground. Well, the dirt heaved upward, but then it all collapsed in like a little crater. It was a sinkhole, I guess, in this thick, nasty liquid started to surface, filling the hole, bubbling up and spreading over the sides. Was it gas? That's the thing, it wasn't. It was something swampy, and it smelled awful. The stench got to me almost immediately, even so far away. Then came the tremors. I was sure the whole place was going to blow, and I wasn't sticking around for it. You ran? I turned to, but tripped and fell like a doofus. I rolled over and looked back at the gas station. I would have got up and ran, but I saw something. I stayed very still and very quiet, afraid that I might see or hear me. 
when I saw her. Well, that's why I'm calling you tonight. My hand on a stack of Bibles, there was now something standing outside of that sinkhole. Now, when you say something... A freaking monster is what I mean, yeah. Whatever it was, it crawled up from the ground. It was covered in that sludge, too. Uh, more than covered in it, that crap was coming out of the thing. I think the creature was, you know, secreting it or whatever. What did this thing look like? I was pretty far away by then, like I said, and it was standing just beyond the gas station, so the lights of the place weren't fully on it, so all I could really make out was its outline. The thing had a humped back and legs that bent the wrong way. Its head was rounded with a long snout, almost like an elephant's trunk. At least that's what I thought of when I made a sound, a trumpeting, I guess you could call it, but a hissing kind of trumpet. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Wait, were you still on the line with the 911 operator? I was. I remember hearing her voice calling for me to tell her what was happening, but how could I? I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what I was even looking at. Maybe with another couple of minutes, I could have... The thing started convulsing all over. It was shaking so hard it became a blur. Then it went back down into the ground and was gone. Burrowed away, I guess. I think that's how it travels. It sweats all that nasty fluid to soften the ground, and then it moves through it like shivering or whatever. I know that sounds completely bonkers. Well, I mean... When I was gone, I, I finally shook off my terror and found my voice again. I told the operator to send everyone she could to the gas station, and then I hung up and waited for them. Cops showed up a while later. I texted my manager, and she came out too. They all looked at the hole, that, that nasty gunk, then at me as if I could tell them what happened. And did you? No way. That's why I'm telling you. I think they'd believe any of it. They inspected the tank the next day and found it cracked. I think the creature had crashed into it underground, and that's why it came to the surface, or, or tried to. It hit the asphalt and couldn't break through, so it felt its way along until it got beyond the edge of the gas station. That's when it came up to have a look around. It was wondering what it had bumped into that wasn't dirt. Wow, that's incredible. Not sure I could keep working there after an experience like that. What would be the point of quitting? That thing is out there, somewhere, and it it can come to the surface, whenever and wherever it likes. Nowhere is safe. Good point. Are you still... Did he hang up? Okay. Well, Chad, you may have moved the bar even higher. That was some scary stuff for sure. Thank you for calling in. All right, let's do a couple more calls before the break. Hello and welcome to Circle City Supernatural. You're live on the air, so watch your language. I came into this restaurant for tea, but they do not serve it. Okay. I heard your show on the radio. The waitress turned it on. Have you had anyone calling to report something strange? (laughs) Only constantly. I suppose strange is not the word for it. This would have been something very special. Something... Momentous. Momentous, huh? Like what? A transcendental bijection of space. It would have been a major gravitational event. Um, I don't think we've had any calls about whatever you said. I do not understand. The device indicated that it happened here, in this city. How could no one have seen it? Well, what would it have looked like? Like nothing ever seen on Earth before. Well, maybe at least once before. I didn't catch your name. I'm Dr. Bing Wen Zhao. Doctor, huh? Don't get a lot of those on the show. So you mentioned a device of some kind. An old one, yes. It had not been used in many years. I was working in a facility where it is housed when there was a sudden power loss. Something was draining the facility's energy. I traced the source of it to a sub-level, a storage area for unused parts and equipment. I found a machine, a massive one that had been built into the wall, and it had turned itself on. What was this machine, Doctor? I do not know exactly, but seem to have traced in the event I spoke of. According to the readings, the phenomenon occurred in the Circle City just last week. This is why I came, but I can find no one who witnessed it. What was this facility, Doctor? And what kind of work did you do there? I'm not permitted to say, but then I'm not permitted to speak about any of this. Okay. You mentioned that maybe this, whatever this was, may have happened once before? 
How do you know? There was a very old note taped to the device. From the last time it was used, I believe, and had a name on it. The paper was yellowed and then the ink faded, but I could still read it. What was the name, Doctor? Doctor? Are you still there? Was the device used for this man? Did he make the journey? Is a traversable wormhole truly possible? A wormhole? If this is so, then he did the impossible. I'm, I'm a scientist, a genius even. But if this man was able to do what I think he did, then he was something else altogether, something more. Who was this man? His name was Dr. Edwin Landau Panagas. Are we, Sylvia? Can they hear me? Yeah. Okay, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so that was unexpected. Sorry about that, everyone. We lost you there for a minute. Our signal was just kind of cut out on us, which I didn't think was possible. Well, we're here with you again, so I guess we keep on keeping on. Hopefully, we won't have any more technical issues. And to Dr. Zhao, if you're listening, please give us a ring back if you can. We lost your call just as it was getting interesting. Maybe because it was getting too interesting? Pretty weird coincidence that it happened just as he was talking, just as he was saying a name. If I repeat it, will the signal be cut again, I wonder? Yes, Sylvia. My producer is waving me back to the phones. Okay, I think we can squeeze one more call in before the break. Hello to you, caller. Hi. Hello there. I'm Charlotte. It's nice to meet you, Charlotte. What brings you to Circle City Supernatural? My partner used to listen to your show, which means I listened to your show. Didn't really have a choice since we were riding together. Riding together? Oh, in the ambulance. Oh, so you guys are paramedics. I am. He was. Oh, did something happen to him? Do you think that people are lying to you? When they call in, I mean. The stories they tell. The things they claim to have seen. Do you really believe any of it? That's a fair question. No, not always. I consider myself a decent judge of character. I can usually tell by their voice if they're being honest or not. Why do you ask, Charlotte? I have a story for you, and I know you will listen to it, sure, but will you believe it? Well, you sound sincere enough. I'll certainly give you the benefit of the doubt, if that's what you're after. We've had some pretty wild calls tonight already, so I'm sure whatever you have for us will be in light company. As a paramedic, you often meet people on what ends up being the worst day of their lives. But for you, it's only a Tuesday. You're safe because you're on the outside looking in. Sure, you're right there with the patient, up to your elbows in blood, but it's not your blood. It's not really happening to you until it is. Until your Tuesday becomes the worst day of your life. Charlotte, you still there? I am. Timbo is what I called my partner. His name was Timothy, of course, and most people called him Tim, but I went with Timbo. Just a stupid nickname. When you spend that much time with someone in such close quarters, they become less your coworker and more your friend. That's how I look at it anyway. Working with the right people can make or break a job. Lucky for me, I got paired up with Timbo. He was young, still pretty new to it all, but a good guy. He and his girlfriend just had, had a baby. Stay with me, Charlotte. I'm here. I'm here. It was about a week ago that we took a call out on Highway 37. It was a pretty remote stretch. A state trooper had come upon an accident and called it in. 
When we got there, we saw an old sedan down in the ditch and figured it was a drunk or that someone had fallen asleep at the wheel. But the driver was in the middle of the road, laying on his back with the trooper knelt over him. The trooper would have known better than to move the man, so I figured the driver must have crawled from the wreck on his own, then collapsed. Timbo parked in the street behind the trooper's prowler, then he jumped out and rushed over to help. He always did that. This job was still exciting for him. I guess I'm a little more jaded, or just older. Whatever the reason, I didn't get out immediately. No, I just sat there a minute, looking around. Like I said, we were in a pretty secluded area. There weren't even street lights. If not for the trooper's light bar and our beacon strobing in the dark, it would have been pitch black. And beyond all the flashing lights, it was a void. Nothing but harvested farmland in every direction. I don't spook easy, but something felt off. Wrong, you know. I didn't even get out of the ambulance until Timbo called for me. He was with the trooper now, both of them bent over the driver. There was something in his voice when he yelled my name. I finally got out and came over with my kid. Was the driver in bad shape? Yeah, but not from the crash. None of his wounds were at all consistent with a drive off the road. In what way was he injured? The first thing I noticed, what you couldn't not notice, was that his entire head was covered in some kind of slime. His hair was mottled with it, with blood too, so I checked his scalp with my flashlight. I found puncture marks. It was like someone had drilled down into his skull. And as if that wasn't bad enough, the driver also had these weird cuts all the way around his neck. They looked like teeth marks. But don't worry, Lindsay. This isn't a story about a vampire. You mandated unique stories, and that's what you're getting. Right. So, was the driver still alive? He had a thready pulse, so we got to work on him. While Timbo bagged him, the trooper and I went back to get the cot. I'm sorry, bagged him? What is that? That's when you use a valve mask on somebody. You pump air down into their lungs. Got it. And the cot is the gurney, right? Right. Anyway, as he helped me get the cot, the gurney out of the ambulance, the trooper asked if I'd ever seen anything like the driver's condition. I hadn't, obviously. Not sure anyone has. He told me that he'd run the plate on the sedan as he waited for us to arrive. The driver was from the East Coast. New Jersey, I think he said. He was a baggage handler or something for one of the airports. What was he doing here? No idea. Apparently he had disappeared from work days ago and no one had seen him since. Just got in his car and started driving. The police back east were looking for him. Seems he stole something and then fled with it. The plot thickens. So you guys bundled up the driver and got him to the hospital? That was the plan. But when the trooper and I got back to him, Timba wasn't pumping anymore. He shook his head. We'd lost the driver. I can't say that I was surprised. Not to sound callous, but the damage he'd sustained was too much to come back from. What did you do then? I relaxed. I know that sounds terrible, but that's what happens when you lose a patient. When you first start working on them, when there's still a chance, your adrenaline is up. You're hustling like crazy, doing all you can to save this person. But when they slip away, you naturally calm down. Your body just chills out. Timbo was taking it pretty hard, though. I patted him on the shoulder and gave him the, you did all you could, speech that noobs always need to hear after losing a patient. This would only be a second BID. BID? Brought in dead. I see. Yeah, so Timbo and I got him wrapped up and strapped to the cot while the trooper searched his car. We'd just finished loading the man into the ambulance when the trooper crawled out of the ditch with something under his arm. He set it on the hood of his prowler and was looking it over with a flashlight when we joined him. It was a box about a foot square. What made it unusual was that in the walls of it, top, bottom, and all the sides, there was a little round window. So you could use the little windows to see inside? Didn't need to. The lid was hanging open. And what did you find? 
Nothing. The box was empty, but the inside of it was coated in that same slime that had been on the driver. The trooper said he found this box in the backseat of the man's car with some packaging from Eastern Europe. Wait, you said the driver was a baggage handler or something like that, right? And that the police back east thought he had fled because he stole something from the airport. So what are we thinking here? He was loading some freight when one of the packages fell, broke open, and he saw a box with valuables in it that he couldn't resist? But if he stole it, why drive cross-country with the box? What was the plan? He didn't steal anything. It was the man who was stolen. The windows in the box were not for someone to see into it, but for something to see out of it. Say what now? Well, it probably happened like you said. He mishandled some freight, the box broke open, and he found what was inside. I think, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I've been thinking about it for days now. I believe the thing somehow shipped itself across the world to get stateside, but that it only got so far. It then needed someone to take it the rest of the way. The driver, the baggage handler, was wearing a hooded jacket that probably helped disguise it. Charlotte, hon. What are we talking about here? We didn't see it until after the trooper left. Because the trooper left. He got a call and had to go. There wasn't anything else for him to do there anyway. A tow truck was coming for the sedan, and we had the body stowed for transport to the hospital. We would have left too, if not for everything that happened next. You said you saw it because the trooper left. What does that mean? And saw what exactly? The trooper's prowler was parked over the slime trail. We didn't notice it until he pulled away. It was Timbo who spotted it first. He shone his flashlight on the asphalt where the slime glistened in the dark. It was the same muck that had been on the driver's head and the inside of the box. He followed the trail from where the driver had collapsed in the street to the side of the road where it seemed to end. I remember him looking all around, in every direction but up. His light swept past a nearby utility pole and I caught a glimmer of that gunk. I called to Timbo, pointing. He turned and aimed his flashlight at the utility pole. Sure enough, the slime trail continued there. The beam of his light climbed up the utility pole until it finally caught up up to the thing. Charlotte, what was it? I don't know. It was this creature. This spongy, pulsating mass. It was grotesque, which is a word I never even use, but that's the only way to describe it. It looked like a, a squid, more like an octopus. Can you imagine it? Seeing an octopus wrapped around a utility pole on the side of the road in the Midwest. But don't misunderstand. This wasn't an actual mollusk or whatever. It was something else. Something unnatural. Wow. That's... Insane! I know! When Timbo shined his light on it, its whole body shriveled like we'd scared it. It shrunk down to half the size it was before. It was later that I realized this was how the thing had fit into that box. Remember how I said the box had little windows on it? You said they weren't for saying in, but for saying out. Exactly. The creature then looked down on us with a couple of yellow eyes. Evil eyes. They were on either side of its body and had these rectangular pupils. There was so much hate in those eyes. I can't even close my own without seeing them. What happened next? It started to peel its tentacles or arms or whatever they were away from the pole. Slowly, very slowly, 
so slowly we didn't expect it to then move as fast as it did. Before I could scream, it had flung itself off the pole and come down right on Timbo. He tried to fight it off, but the thing was strong and it already looped its tentacles under Timbo's arms so that it could pull itself over his head. That's what it did. The creature inflated its body, just ballooned out, revealing a giant round mouth on its underbelly lined in teeth. It then swallowed Timbo's head. Not like it was eating him. No, the creature had pulled itself over his head like its body was a helmet for Timbo to wear. Then its body shrank back to its normal size, wrapping tightly around Timbo's head. Did this really happen? Charlotte, tell me the truth. You sound genuine, but this is. Is this real? It's real. (sighs) Okay, then what? After a minute, Timbo stopped struggling. He went limp, but didn't fall over. He wasn't dead. He was something else. I saw those teeth latch into his neck. The thing wasn't biting him. It was more just anchoring itself to Timbo. I remembered the body we'd found in the road, the body we'd loaded into the ambulance only a moment ago. All the markings on the neck, the baggage handler was this thing's previous, I don't know, host, I guess you'd call it. I assumed it was some kind of parasite. Then I remembered the holes in the man's scalp. It must have burrowed into Timbo's skull in the same way. That's how it accessed the brain, to take control of the body. Think of a man and now replace his head with an octopus. And that's what stood in front of me now. What did you do? Nothing. I'm a first responder. I don't freeze up. It's my job to charge headlong into danger while everyone else stands by. Yet there I stood, trembling, crying, watching my friend be taken over by this monster just stood there like an idiot. That is, until Timbo's body started moving again. He lifted his hands from his sides and looked them over. Only it wasn't him looking at his hands. It was the thing over his head. Those hideous yellow eyes were inspecting its new host, its new vehicle. Then they turned on me. I was running for the ambulance before I even realized it. I flung open the back door and scrambled inside. On my way through to the driver's seat, I accidentally unhitched the cot from the antler on the floor, and thank God I did. Wait, antler? It's an anchor that secures the cot in place while the ambulance is in motion. And why were you happy to have undone it? Because it meant the cot was free to roll. You see, I got behind the wheel and started the ambulance just as that creature caught up to me. It had leapt from the ground into the back of the ambulance, landing on the body of its previous host, which was still strapped to the cot. So when I floored it and the ambulance sped forward... The inertia threw the gurney out the back, along with the thing on top of it. Right. The cot hit the ground and overturned. The corpse remained strapped to it, of course, but the monster went flying. I saw it all in the side mirror. Did you kill it? I want to think so. I really do. But I know better. I know it's still out there. What did you tell the police? Not the story I told you. What about Timbo and the baggage handler? Their families have a right to know what really happened, don't they? You said Timbo had a girlfriend and a newborn. Do you really think they would believe it? Remember how I started out by asking if you believed the people who called into your show? Now you know why. But I do believe you, Charlotte. Which is why this is... This is a case where the truth doesn't matter. It's too weird, too ridiculous. It's the kind of story that you get 
punished for telling. I'll lose my job, my credibility, everything if I come forward with it. But you did come forward. You called in here tonight. I called because I want to warn people. Whatever body it takes only lasts so long. Eventually, it will have to find a new one. Don't let it be you. That's it. Story's over. Wait! You said the packaging for the box was from Eastern Europe, right? That's what the cop said. So it came from there? I guess. But why did it come here? To Circle City of all places? How would I know that? All that matters is that it's here. Now. Thank you for that call, Charlotte. That was... Ugh. I think that's probably a good place to pause to take a break. Stay with us, Circle City, for more Tales of the Bazaar. We'll be right back. The engineer has been all over the equipment. He can't figure out how we lost our signal during the previous call. It's an old station. Yeah, that's probably it. So, a lot of monster calls tonight. More than usual, I mean. But that last one was pretty creepy. Yeah, totally. What are you doing? Lindsay. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I was trying to look up that name the caller said before we lost the signal. It cut off right as he was saying the name. Wow. Really? You're back on that? It was a coincidence. You can't think the two things are related. I don't know what I think yet. So the caller was saying something that someone didn't want us to hear? That's pretty... Paranoid? Yeah. And before you can say it, yes, I know I sound like one of our callers now, but the timing was just too... What's wrong? I can't find a real person by that name. Just a character in some novels. Oh, their author is local. You ever hear of J.P. Leck? Ah, that guy. The Circle City Collector. Yeah, everyone knows him. I don't. I keep forgetting you haven't been in Circle City very long. He was a researcher or an archivist or something. He claimed to be anyway. He used to find and publish these weird stories. Most of them were about Circle City, but people started to suspect that he was just writing them and passing them off as real. What happened to him? He tried the same crap with some books that he first published as fiction, then later tried to say were real, which is hilarious because the books are completely bananas. Actually, I'm not sure if he's even still in town. I haven't heard anything about him in ages. Interesting. I know that look, Lindsay. Do not try and find him. A lot of people think he's crazy. That he actually believes his own stories are true. And here I thought listening to the crazies was my job. Seriously, Lindsay, don't. Promise me you won't try and contact him. He's a total fraud. Or he's telling a truth too big to be believed. It was a coincidence that we lost the signal when we did. It's not evidence that a character in one of Luck's stories was a real person or that any of it is actually true. Maybe. But you're gonna find out anyway, aren't you? Tonight, I challenged this city to tell me their scariest, most unique stories. Maybe this guy has the best of them all, and I'm not waiting around for him to call into my show. 